Good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville in our sanctuary service. If you have a Bible, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, last week, we came back to the book of Hebrews. We've been uh, in that all of last fall, and we took a break over uh, December, but we started the new year out back in Hebrews talking about this idea of faith, which is really a great uh, kind of theme to start a year off with and really talk about what is, what is Christian faith? What's all this about? What does it mean? Why is it important? And, and so that's what we're looking at here. Here in the book of Hebrews. It's a, a book written to encourage Christians to keep moving forward in their faith. And so last week we looked at what it is. And if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and, and look at that uh, online. And this week we're going to talk about why faith is so important uh, in the Christian life. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at just a few verses this morning. So super short sermon, right? That really, it hurts my feelings when you laugh at that. That's not a joke, people. I have feelings. Anyways, Hebrews 11, verse 4. If you're able to stand in all of our locations, would you please do so as we honor the reading of God's word? Hebrews 11 and verse 4. Word of God says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of God. Would you pray for me and with me sincerely and ask God that this would be a moment where we would encounter him in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of gathering. I trust that this will be um, a sweet time of encouragement today, of challenge, of helping us understand what uh, this life is all about, how, how we are to approach uh, the life of faith, what, what the Christian life really means. And I can't do that. I, I, don't, I have no ability uh, in and of myself, and so I'm just asking for your help. Um, helper, the Holy Spirit, come, guide us into truth, I pray in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, by all accounts, he is one of the greatest authors in the 20th century. Uh, just think, for instance, of all his awards. He won a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, he won the National Book Award. He won the Nobel Prize for literature. You've heard of many of his works, for instance, The Grapes of Wrath, Of Mice and Men, uh, or Travels with Charlie, uh, just to name a few. Uh, most of you figured out that I'm referring to John Steinbeck. But did you know of all the great works that he wrote, there was actually one that he considered to be the greatest of all? In fact, it was a book that was turned into a movie, uh, and that movie even got nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, it was the one entitled East of Eden. If you don't know the story, it's about a family living in California uh, around World War I, and uh, the whole story kind of centers around a father and his two sons, Caleb and Aaron. 
And Caleb, or Cal as they call him, uh, he never feels like he can live up to the accomplishments of his brother. It always feels like his brother one-ups him and he just can't live up to that. And because of it, he's always striving, always trying to please his father. He just wants to make his daddy proud. He just wants his father to be pleased. You really see this in one famous scene in the movie where uh, Cal's father has lost a lot of his money because of the war. And so Cal thinks, if I could make a lot of money and give it to my dad, then, maybe then, he'd be proud. The problem was, is that he earned the money benefiting from the war, and more importantly, Money wasn't what his father wanted from him in the first place. So when Cal offers up this gift and his father rejects it, he sinks deeper into despair. Cal was a son that could never please his father. And if you're paying attention, you realize that the story that Steinbeck's telling here is not a new one. It's actually a very old story. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And in fact, the very title, East of Eden, is taken from Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, where the Bible says, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He's telling the story that has been around for a very, very long time, namely a story of the human search for acceptance. And that search is still happening today. Everybody in this room, Sanctuary, Lakeville, everybody here is on a search for acceptance. We are trying to please somebody or something in some way. For you, it may be you're trying really hard to please your parents. So for some of you, you just want to please your spouse. You just want to make your boss proud of you. You want to make your coach happy. You want to make the fans happy. Maybe there's one of you here today that really wants those church members to be happy. I won't tell you who that one person is. You might figure it out. If you could just be accepted by that group of friends, if you could have the respect of your peers. It's what Sally Field said when she won her second Oscar and gave her speech in 1985. She actually said this out loud. She said, and I quote, I haven't had an orthodox career and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time, that is the first time I won, I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it. I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. Everybody here is on that search. But if we could press a little deeper and go a little bit further in your soul, 
what we would discover is that there's a deeper search, more than the acceptance of parents or bosses or spouses, that deep down what you really want, whether you even know it or not, is to please God. In fact, if you're here today and you're a Christian, do you not want to please God? Two people. All right. I know you are answering that internally, I understand, but, but do, you, do you really want to please God? Because that's what we all want, it's what we all need, namely, our Heavenly Father's approval. In fact, I would suggest that the reason we search for the approval of others is because we're not secure in our approval with God. In other words, you're seeking a substitute. So the question we have to ask is, how do we please God? That is exactly what the author addresses in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's just plain on the text, black and white. Look at verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to what? Please him, that is, please God. So what is it that pleases God, everybody? Faith. Faith is what pleases God. Well, what is faith? Back at verse one. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We talked about this last week, namely that faith is the confidence in the promises of God because of the God who promises. In the book of Hebrews, it's, it's assurance, confidence, conviction of the things hoped for. Not based on what the Christian bookstore says, what the book of Hebrews says, those things hoped for are those future promises of God, the inheritance, the, the blessings, the, 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 the eternal life, the things that God has waiting in your future. And you hope for them, but you don't see them, and yet you're confident of them. Why? God said so. God said so. And so you have faith. It's the same thing here in verse 6, that faith believes that God exists, that's basic, and it believes that God is telling the truth. That phrase rewards those who seek him. The idea of rewarding is just that God delivers on his promises, that he promised you this and he gave it to you. That is faith. It is believing. It is trusting. And what I want us to understand this morning is that this is the central issue in the Christian life. Let me give you just a few verses. Hebrews 11 verse 2, for instance, talking about Old Testament believers says, for by it, that is faith, uh, the people of old received their commendation. They pleased God because of Faith. Hebrews 10, verse 38, just a few verses earlier. Uh, but my righteous one shall live by? You can speak a little louder, right? The righteous shall live by? There we go. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That is, God is not pleased. Galatians 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One more, this is in the Old Testament to show you that this is the thread that runs through the Scripture. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, quoted often in the New Testament. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him, in him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the central issue in the Christian life. We know what it is, and we know why it's so important, because it pleases God. And if that's the reality, and it is, then that means you and I have got to start thinking very, very differently than the way most of us do when it comes to the Christian life. 
We gotta have a paradigm change, a whole new way of thinking about how this life is lived. Let me illustrate it this way. I want you to imagine that you're driving down a road and you come to a split in the road and there's two signs and one says, you can go this direction and trust God, you can go that direction and please God. And in the pleasing God, we tend to think, as so many do, that we're gonna try really hard and do the best that we can to make our daddy proud, our heavenly father. And so that's what we really want. And so we decide we'll go down that road. What we notice first off is that the road is really wide. There's a lot of people going down this road. I mean, look at them. They're everywhere. People all around the world trying to please God, doing the best they possibly can. And you notice as you go down this road, there's all these little places that you can stop and get suggestions. There's one place that has a sign out front. It says Bible reading. Sure, that sounds like a good idea. So you stop and you go in and, and they're, they're debating Bible translations and how Jesus actually spoke in King James English. That's a joke. And, uh, and there's all these reading plans that you can do and how to read the Bible in a year and scripture memory and all this stuff, devotions. And they give you all these strategies of how you can make God happy and please him if you just read your Bible. So you put some of that stuff in your backpack and you keep on going down the road. You find another place, and it's got a sign out front, and it says, financial giving. And you laugh, because nobody's there. <laughs> Everybody went on by that one, but you thought, I'll stop, I'm, I'm interested. And so you go in, and they're debating Old Testament versus New, and percentage, is it still a tithe, and is it pre-tax or after-tax, and, and uh, there's an app you can download, and envelopes you can use, and, and there's all this stuff about how you can make God happy and please Him if you'll just give more. Sure, that's what I want to do, I just want to please God, and so you take some of those booklets and Download the app, put it all in your backpack, and you keep on going down the road. And then you see another place, it's got a sign out front, and it says parenting. And, and, and you have children, so you're like, I gotta stop there. And you walk in, and boy, is there literature. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the amount of books they have in here, and pamphlets and brochures, and all this stuff about how to raise kids to make you look good and God proud. And you're like, that's what I want. I wanna look good, and I wanna make God proud. So you buy that book with a really long title and you put it in your backpack. And you got all these strategies of how if your children could just be well-behaved, God would look at you and be happy. And there's a lot more. We won't spend much time telling you all the different places you could stop, but there's places that you can stop and find out ways that you can serve in the church. There's places that you could stop and get certain spiritual gifts that are better than other spiritual gifts according to certain people. And then there's witnessing strategies. And by the time you get very far down this road, your backpack is so full, you're getting tired. And you're trying, and you're trying to please God and make him happy through giving and through being the best parent you can be and through your Bible reading. The problem is you missed a few days of Bible reading. You didn't give as much last year as you wanted to. And your kid punched another kid at school. Oh, no. God's not happy. And here's what you discover. I know you're going to discover it because I've been there. What you discover is that all this trying for God makes you tired before God. 
God, I can't do enough to please you. And then you remember, wait, 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 wait. There was a split in the road. There was a different way. And so you take your backpack and you go back to the split in the road and you decide, I'm gonna go this other way, this trusting God way. I I don't fully understand everything that's down this road, but all I know is that road made me exhausted. So I'll try this one. And what you notice immediately is the road is really narrow because there's not very many people going down this road. Everybody's trying that. Very few people are trying this. And guess who you meet first on the road? Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm really glad you're coming down this road. Well, all I want to do is please you. I, 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 I know, in fact, this is the only road that pleases me. But I need to tell you how this works. I know how it works. I got my, my, my how to raise kids God's way, and I got my reading through the Bible plan in a year. I've got all, no, 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 no. Those are good things, and you should do those things. But you don't do them to please me. Here's how it works. I'm going to put you in situations. I'm going to tell you what to do. And you're going to trust me. That's it? Yeah. Okay. I'll go down this road. And you don't go three steps. And somebody hurt you. I mean really hurt you. You know the kind of hurt that takes your breath away? The kind of hurt that goes really deep like to your soul. And you get angry, really angry, and you swear I will get revenge. But before you do that, you go back to God and you say, you told me if I went down this road that everything would go my way. And God says, no, I didn't. I never said that you put words in my mouth. I never said that. Can can I just like claim a verse that vengeance is mine? (laughs) Out of context. Because I'm pretty sure the verse says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not you. Okay. Okay. What do I do? Here's what you do. While I got you here, I need to say something to you. Remember what I told you. Notice it on the screen. When you trust me, you please me. What do I need to trust you with? Here it is. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's crazy. That's not what I want to do. I told you what I want to do. I want the vengeance thing. I want revenge. Do you know? This is real hurt, man. Like, I want to do my thing here. I want to do my way. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I told you how this works. You got to trust me. In, in fact, let me, let me, I know you want to do your way instead of my way. Let me introduce you to somebody that maybe could help you. Hey, Abel. Abel. See, there's a guy that's already gone down this road. 
And, and his example might actually be able to help you. Abel, come here, come here, come here. Verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though he was through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4? I vaguely uh, could refresh my memory. Okay, Genesis 4 verse 3. In the course of time, that is at an appointed time, God appointed for Cain and Abel to bring a sacrifice. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, that is what I ask you to do, Will you not be accepted? You see, you remember when God told Cain and Abel to bring a sacrifice? And it was a specific type of sacrifice. It was a blood offering. But how did they know? Well, they knew because of their parents. Uh, when their parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, uh, there was a sacrifice made to atone for their sins. They, they sacrificed an animal. They took the skins of those animals, and they covered their nakedness. That's a theme that will continue the rest of the Old Testament. We've talked about it in the book of Hebrews, that animal sacrifices were used to atone for or cover sin. They knew what kind of sacrifice to bring. The point, listen, Abel did it God's way, Cain did it his way. Abel brought a sacrifice of faith. Cain decided he would do whatever he wanted to do. And only one pleased God. You see, I know you don't want to forgive them. I know you want vengeance. But that's your way. That's not my way. My way is forgive as I have forgiven you. And when you trust me, you please me. Oh my, Jesus, this is a whole different way of thinking. I thought this whole pleasing you was try, 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 try. And you're telling me that it's in that situation that you've actually said something in your word, not words I put in your mouth, but something you actually said, and I'm just supposed to trust it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll keep going down the road. And the next day you have that coffee appointment. You know with those friends... And you'll never guess what topic comes up. Religion. And you immediately start getting uncomfortable and you're nervous because you know one of them is an atheist. You know one is, is very open to picking and choosing parts of the Bible and, and, and believes that certain sins aren't even really sins. And, and you've got this other person that really questions the claim of Christianity. There's another one that, that really has a hard time believing that there could be a loving God when there's so much evil in the world. And you're nervous. And so you go back to God, not verbally, but in your heart, and you say, you told me that if I went down this road, I would never be put in a situation where I was uncomfortable. 
No, I didn't. In fact, if you read the Bible, I said the opposite. Let me remind you what I told you when you started this road. When you trust me, you please me. And while I've got you here in this situation, I need to say something to you. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's crazy. They will call me narrow-minded. They will say I'm unloving when that's actually what I'm trying to be is loving. They will call me a bigot. They may ask me questions that I don't know how to answer. I may stumble all over myself. Trust me. In fact, let, let, me, let, me, let me introduce you to somebody. Maybe he can help. Enoch! Enoch. See, there's a guy that's already walked this road. And his example might encourage you. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found ultimate hide-and-seek champion right there because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Do you remember Enoch? Yeah, I, I do remember Enoch. I don't remember a lot because the Bible doesn't say a lot about him other than he left planet Earth in the coolest way. But never mind. It, the Bible also says he walked with God. Now, what does that mean? I mean, not in the lingo that we kind of use it today, but what does the Bible actually mean that he walked with God? Well, the, the Bible actually gives us a clue. Uh, in Jude, verse 14, it says this. Uh, it was also about that Enoch, the seventh of Adam, that prophesied. But it was also about these that Enoch the seventh of Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. You see, here's what of the little bit we do know about Enoch, we know this, that he lived at a time that was very, very rebellious, when society was spinning out of control, when sin had run amok, it was everywhere. And Enoch was called to be a prophet, that is, Enoch was called to actually speak the truth, to speak the word of God in a culture that didn't want to hear it. But Enoch wasn't trying to get the pleasure of the world. He was trying to get the pleasure of God. And so he trusted me. And I was pleased with him. You see, I understand when you go down this road and you deal with a culture that has redefined sexuality to make it whatever they want it to be, I understand, pastor, when you're trying to preach in a culture where most churches just want their ears tickled. I understand, parents, when you're trying to parent in a culture where a lot of parents let their kids do anything they want to do, and you're trying to actually have some sense of biblical guidelines. I realize, students, when you're trying to be at school with professors that mock the notion of an existence of God, I understand that to hold fast to my word won't make, your, won't make you popular. 
But if you trust me, you please me. Jesus! What are you doing to me? This is not how I thought this thing worked. I thought this was about me doing the best I could possibly do, trying my hardest to make you happy. And you're saying that trying doesn't please you, trusting pleases you. That's what I'm saying. You know, like when you don't want to forgive, but you know that that's what I've called you to? You know, like when you don't want to speak the truth, but you know that's what I've called you to? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Well, I'll keep going. And the next day, do you remember on the calendar? You had that doctor's appointment? You'd been having a little bit of discomfort, but it wasn't serious. But you could tell the way the doctor walked in that it's serious now. In fact, you don't really remember much of what was said except a six-letter word, cancer. Everything after that was a blur. You do remember walking out to your car, turning the radio up, and pounding the steering wheel saying, God, you promised me if I went down this road that everything would go my way. Why do bad things happen to good people? Once again, I never said that. You're putting words in my mouth again. This is what I told you. When you trust me, you please me. And while I've got you in this moment in the car with tears streaming down your face, I want to say something to you. It goes like this. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's the craziest thing you've said yet. That doesn't make any sense at all. Do that in this situation. That is crazy, crazy God talk. I tell you, nobody knows what it's like to be me. Okay, let me introduce you to somebody. Noah! See, there's somebody that's walked down this road before. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household, but this he, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You think you're in a situation where you've been asked to do something that doesn't make any sense at all? Ha! You ain't the first, sweetheart. Do you remember Noah's story? You are going to wipe out everything? You're going to send a what? You want me to build a what? 
take all the animals? Like all of them? Can we not at least leave the cats outside? I mean, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. According to me. Um, Okay, okay, we'll take all the animals. And you want me to do this over 120 years? It's a long time to do what doesn't make sense. I love this. Genesis 6, 22. Noah did all God commanded him. Are you noticing the pattern? This isn't about trying harder. It's about trusting him. You know, like Abel, when you want to do your way, but instead you do it God's way. You know, like Enoch, when it's really tempting to be popular and go along with everything the world says, but you know God's word says otherwise. You know, like Noah, when you're called to respond to something that doesn't make any sense at all. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. Lakeville Sanctuary, everybody right here, do you have faith? Do you have faith? I'm not asking, are you trying hard? In fact, if you're doing that, stop it. I'm asking, are you trusting him? Are you trusting him? You see, I know you've not been asked to build an ark. I know that you've not been asked to bring animal sacrifices. I know it's very easy for you to walk through Hebrews 11 and not relate at all. And yet it does. Because God's word has spoken into your life. And the fundamental issue is, will you believe it? Do you have confidence in what God has promised because God promised? That pleases him. The truth of the matter is everybody here today, everybody here today is just like Cal. Whether we know it or not, We want our Heavenly Father's approval. We want Him to be pleased. And the author of Hebrews is absolutely clear that we please God not by trying. We please God by trusting. That is, after all, the very center of the gospel. Faith family, Let me introduce you to somebody who championed this road, whose very life defines the road. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. 
For to this you have been called because of Christ, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. That's the road. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Here's what he did. He continued trusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Faith family, listen to me. The life of a Christian is a life of faith because the life of Christ was a life of faith. And do you remember frequently in the Gospels what the Father said to the Son? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? I'm thankful in moments like this, God, that... um, Your spirit is already at work and doing things that I can't even wrap my mind around. There are so many situations and so many stories and so many things represented in this place today. And um, by your spirit, I trust that right now you're speaking to each one. Some that are just trying, 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 and they're really tired. The truth is that's never been what this has been about anyways. You're trying to offer something the Father never asked for. You're just like cow. You're trying to gain acceptance in a way that you can never gain it. Trust. Believe. Believe that I am. Believe that I will do what I said I will do. Trust me. And there may be somebody here today that's never trusted Jesus for the first time. And the Spirit of God is coming in this moment and saying, turn from your sin. Believe. Have faith in Jesus Christ. Start down this road. It will not be easy. But you will find peace. There's others in this place, they just keep running back and forth. And I pray this morning that they would stop trying and just trust. Spirit of God, may you continue to minister to us and speak to us as to exactly what this looks like. Not in Noah's life, not in Abel's life, in our life. Today, in Jesus' name, amen.